Good morning. I'm going to miss your pastor. I didn't realize he was away. He took some of the teens, but we've got the, the sharper teens here. Is that right? What are you like? I don't know if you're still teens. Thanks for being here. That song, uh, first a couple of things. Who, who sang up here? Which one of you ladies? That, that, the song with the, with the dance? Not one of you two? Where, where's she at? That was beautiful. If there's any way I could have a copy of that. I'm not real good with music, and I wasn't paying a lot of attention at first because I was fussing with the mic, but from what I heard, I'd love to have a copy of that. Uh, you'll see why. And the um, worship team, you did awesome. And, um, and that special was awesome. It is well with my soul, if I, I remember correctly, the man that wrote that has lost his family at sea. And it's uh, easy to sing things. Um, I'm in the process of losing my wife. So it's, uh, that's why I'm here. But that was a tough song to hear because I knew about that. And yours was a blessing. More message in that than than we know. Well, uh, where's Kyle? There he is back there. Kyle have a wife yet? <laughs> Anybody want him? We'll auction him off. He's a great kid, good basketball player, played for my son, the coach at the Davis College, one of my son's, other son's best friends. As far as I know, he doesn't smoke. Uh, and all those, yeah, right, all those things, as far as I know, it's a good deal. Uh, I don't know how much money he's got, so I can't really, you know. <laughs> Pardon? His mom can't get ready to get rid of him. <laughs> and he is a good friend of my son, Tyler. And... Uh, Good to see you, Kyle. Anybody else from the college that I should know? I, I'd like to see about half of you come down. You, you, you need to come down become a student. <laughs> well, why am I here? Um, to share a message that is definitely on my heart, and I appreciate the Sunday school class. And they'll probably have to bear with me. I'll talk a little bit about what I talked about during the Sunday school hour. Just to mention something, March the 20th at the college, we have a pastors and leaders conference. I'd love to see you come down. Uh, there's a tremendous need today uh, for people to really care about people, to uh, reach people, and it's going to be on uh, raising up a new generation of leaders. That's uh, for men and women. I, I, I call it pastors and leaders. When I say pastors and wives, then some of the guys don't come if they think their wife can't come. So I say pastors and uh, pastors and leaders, and then some of the wives do come. So you're, everybody's welcome. Love to have you come March the 20th. You can go online to read about it. It's a very special day. Registration's 8 to 10. And then there's a welcome at 10 o'clock, two sessions. 1 o'clock is uh, lunch. It's $15 for the day, and that includes your lunch. It'd be a great day, and I'd love to see, uh, see you come. And I think a lot of your, your pastor... I did know uh, Brother John before he got married and knew the, the Corbett family, and uh, very close to a lot of the Corbetts. Uh, and Hannah, right? 
Her dad and I are really good friends. I had the privilege of placing his name in the first couple of ministries he had, and uh, just saw him the other day. And, and uh, so it, it's it's uh, nice to have. Uh, and of course, your pastor married one of the Corbetts, as you as you're well aware of. Well, we need to get started. I've got a lot, a lot to say. I'll watch the time. I I want to have a word of prayer and um, just commit this time to the Lord and ask his, for him, him for His direction. There's so much to say in such a short time. And, and I pray that when you leave this place, you won't be the same. Um, and uh, not that you're wrong with you now, you're wonderful. <laughs> but that this is a day that God has made, and, and we want to take full advantage of what He might have uh, for us. Thank you, Jesus, for the, the Lord Jesus, for the uh, worship service, for the songs for the dance, for the, that special music, and uh, for your people. Lord, I pray that uh, by your Spirit, Lord, that we might be attentive to, uh, to what you might have for us. Father, people are suffering. We're all going to suffer, Jesus said that. And uh, Lord, it's so important how we handle it and how we help others. So we uh, commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, need I say, turn your phones off. <laughs> Our president at the college, the last president, was really a bug on that, you know. And, and, and at that time I was a vice president, and, and uh, he, he, I, so I knew how he was. But I'm not, I'm not the greatest in technology. I know a little bit, but not what the younger people do. And, so I got a new phone, and so I, I knew better not to have it on. I mean, we had cabinet meetings, and you don't have your phone on, okay. Well, and this is not a rebuke for whoever did that. that that's not at all, but I'll tell you what happened to me. I, uh, I got a new phone, and so I had it on silent, but I didn't know if people left the message. It still rang. So, for whatever it's worth. Uh, let's turn in our Bibles. I think that's where we'll start. Romans chapter 12. And verse 12. Romans chapter 12 and verse 12. I thought I saw water up here, did I? I did, yeah. God's given me a message. I have no doubt that He's given me a message. I'm still learning how to, how to uh, present it when and where to present it and what he has in mind. I am going through an experience that's a very difficult experience. And um, as mentioned, I've had the privilege of helping 38 churches as an interim pastor. I've been at the college 33 years. And then I went for six months didn't go to church at all because of what took place. Didn't preach for eight months. And then one day while I was doing the laundry, and I did it every day because of the situation, had to be done every day, I would be determined nothing would be worn twice by my dear wife because I just wanted her to, everything to be clean. I was down doing the laundry one day, and, and I really felt God said, Dan, you're going to preach again. This is after not even going to church for six months, and I, uh, the days just ran together. And I said, God, I don't have a message. And then he laid on my heart. I don't know how I came across that other than his leading in Romans 12, 12. Now, in, in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through the end of the chapter, 
uh, if you have the NIV version, it says love must be sincere. And there's a tremendous message here. And then it, it, look, it lists all kinds. In fact, I have uh, 20 things here listed what sincere, to, that would describe sincere love. And I've actually preached on that a couple of times, not knowing that one certain part would, would uh, become very significant in my life. I never preached on suffering. No, I don't, just never did. Probably tried to avoid it. Uh, maybe not exactly intentionally, but I just never preached on it. And uh, now it's the message God's given me. And uh, so I'm preaching on it. <laughs> and I um, would appreciate your prayers because I'm not sure what God's going to do with it. But I, I'm convinced that uh, we all suffer and we will all suffer. Not a pleasant topic. I hope when we finish this message you won't be all down on things, but I'll give you some things to help you. I'm not ready to say follow me, but I think now I'm finally ready to say come alongside of me. We can do it together. After 20 months, about 19 months, was when I finally made the decision this is the will of God for my wife. I don't, I'm not trying any more medicine, or not trying any more special vitamins, etc., etc. God could heal her. God can do anything. But it doesn't appear that he's chosen to do that. He still could. But, but I've come to accept that this is the will of God uh, for my wife. When I came across this passage, look at it, Romans 12, 12. It says, be joyful in hope. But the, the part that I were going to speak on it says, be patient in affliction. And what this literally means is to remain under. To remain under the test in a God-honoring manner. Not seeking to escape it, but eager to learn the lessons that it was sent to teach. I, How I wish that I could get out from under what I'm going through, but I can't. Not so much for me, although it I don't know if it near killed me, but I went through a lot of stress. Uh, I had pains in my, pest, uh, ch- pains in my chest. Um, the stress was unbelievable. The heartache. Uh, I, I couldn't begin to tell you in the time I have here all that uh, I've experienced this last 20 months. Stuff I find just hard to believe. When I prepare, and I wrote out a diary sort of a thing, I, I get... <sighs> I don't know if I'm depressed, but I get discouraged or whatever. It just brings to my mind some of the things that, that, that took, took place um, that um, I've had to deal with. And um, I went through this at the Sunny School Hour with some and, and, and with those that were there, and I'm going to rehearse a little bit of that. And I'll try to watch the time. I, mean, yeah, I, want, I want you to know a little bit about the story. And then I want you to know the principles. And uh, you're going to need them. If you don't need them today, you're going to need them. That's, it's part of the life here on earth. Our hope's in the Lord, and one day we're going to receive perfect bodies. But not here. And um, just to show you the kind of person I am, when I drove up here and I saw reserved for the elderly, I, saw, I thought, well, that's not for me. And I parked back over there. I respect the elderly, but... <laughs> I don't order senior citizens' meals, although I probably could in a few years. 
Um, patience and affliction. And uh, what am I under? It says to remain under. I'm in a situation where can't change it. There's a video called It Is What It Is, and that's how this is described. My wife today is in a nursing home. She's 60 years old. She's the first known case that's diagnosed as what she has. She has what they call frontal temporal degeneration. It's the worst form of dementia. It hit her all of a sudden. Um, my last son got married, Tyler, June. Kyle, were you there? Should have come. There were some pretty girls there. <laughs> See, you just, you're just going to have to stay closer to me, Kyle. I'll help you out. There's going to be a charge, though. If you want the girl to be good looking, that's going to really be a lot of work. It's going to, it's going to be expensive, right? Let, let, let me back up just a bit. Married 40 years at a time. Soon be married 42. Good marriage. Not perfect, but really good. Six children, they've all married fine Christians. Um, my wife was a diagnostic cardiac sonographer. She, after the children were raised, she wanted to go back to school, and I was 100% before for her to do whatever she wanted to do because she was 100% behind me whenever I, whatever I did. We were a team. Real early in our marriage, we got married and in the spring, went off the Bible college in the fall. I met her at one Bible college and then went to practical of the second school I went to. And real early in our marriage, uh, come home one day, picked her up at 5 o'clock. I expected supper at 5.05. <laughs> and she straightened me right out. And I thank God for that. That's what I, what, what, one of the things that drew me to my wife was just she's such an individual. She lived in uh, the Boundbrook, New Jersey, not too far from the city. I was a little small-town country boy, sort of, from Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And she just added so much to my life. Very beautiful girl. Uh, first time I saw her, she had the beautiful tangent, about 5'10", which was a prerequisite, so because she loved basketball so much, and she wanted her kids to play. Did you get that? <laughs> She did later like basketball because <laughs> her kids played. But anyways, um, she um, she told me later the first day she met me um, that she knew she was going to marry me. And um, she later told me that we'd have six children, and we did. We had three girls, and I said, this is great. Let's quit. <laughs> and she said, God's going to give us sons. Now, how does she know that? And we had three wonderful daughters, and then I look back now, I know why God gave us daughters first, because I needed a lot of chiseling away that those man things, you know. And um, the girls can do it, because the girls are like their mother. So now I have four people straightening me out, you know. And then he blessed me with three sons. And um, two days after Tyler got married. Well, let me back up. Cheryl's a, she's a diagnostic cardiac sonographer. She worked in Sarah. Anybody ever go down to that Sarah Hospital in the cardiology department? Excellent department. Indian, the Indian doctors are geniuses. My wife loved to work with them. My wife was very brilliant. Uh, her dad played Bobby Fisher in chess. Some of you would know who he was, and you had to be brilliant to play him. He was probably the best ever. He's dead now. They made a movie on him, but and her, her dad played him, and, and I brag about that because my wife was, was very brilliant. And uh, as I told the Sunday school class, I have an example of her brilliance. 
That's a lot of baloney. <laughs> it just was a God thing, that's all. God saw I really need a lot of help, and so he gave me somebody extremely competent. And, and, also, and that's, that's more truth to that than you realize, too. I mean, she's a very positive person. You know, we preachers tend to be somewhat negative, and God worked, her, used her to change my whole philosophy in ministry. Um, and honestly, this is truth. And I know this is far from the real thing. But to her, I was her best preacher, so that tells you how crazy love she was of me. But <laughs> we had one wonderful marriage. And um, then she had a foot operation in April the 20... I think it was the 26, 2010. So she was, I had to pretty much wait on her uh, for three months. A, a week after she got her foot out of a cast, she made the wedding cake. My wife used to have a wedding cake business when the kids were younger. Raising six kids, we both had to work. And uh, she worked in the home, did a wonderful job, very creative, very talented. I think my wife could do almost anything. Unbelievable. Um, and... Uh, Two days, then Tyler got married. Two days later, Sunday morning, she woke up. She was crying. I said, doesn't matter, honey. And it was a little bit strange. And she, she said something which was a female thing. And, or she went out and she came back and she goes, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And she said that differently and I'd never heard it before. And her tone of voice was different. As I look back now, it's because something was taking place. But I didn't know what was taking place. It was a female issue. I says, honey, we'll go to the doctors. That's not a big deal. Well, it turned out it was a lot more than that, but she didn't know. My wife doesn't know today what she has. I never got to say goodbye to her by the time it was diagnosed. That's one of the things that's a hard, one of the hardest things I have to live with. And I see her. She thinks she's coming home one day. And I have to, I can't tell her. Um, Anyway, she, she was crying, so I took her to a doctor. Now, the wedding and the foot and all that, it appeared to be stress. My wife could honestly handle anything. She was unbelievable and never showed signs of stress. Okay, it's legitimate. She had an operation, you know, the wedding. She did the cake a week after she's out of the cast. Her foot's out of the cast. I thought it was stress. The crying continued every morning, and, and wouldn't, so uncharacteristic of my wife. She was always a positive early riser with me, and it wasn't my wife. She had been off work three, three months. She was supposed to go back. We called, said she's not ready to come back. She's, we didn't know what it was. Went back to the doctor a week later because it continued. But we'd, we'd go to the doctor in the afternoon. Well, you didn't see evidence of, that, of her problem in the afternoon. And uh, I says, Doc, doctor, and she... she I says, what's the matter? And my wife had a beautiful smile. And she's a beautiful person. And she'd go, nothing. She, she didn't recognize that she had a problem. And uh, then during the conversation, all of a sudden she started crying. And, he, was, and uh, so the doctor says, well, it's just, you know, stress. And he asked about some of the things. And, and I had planned on taking my wife away for a few days after everything was done. And I, you know, I was just going to wear a blue jean and a t-shirt, sweatshirt. I wasn't going to go preach anyplace. And she could go casual and one suitcase. And, and she was telling the doctor, she, my husband's going to make us go and we're going to have to pack a suitcase. And, and I'm thinking, and my wife and I, we, what I loved about her too, we could pick up and run anytime. She just was out of, had that ability. We even with six kids. This is so unlike Cheryl. And, uh, 
He says, well, it's stressed. And so we said, so, okay, here's what we'll do. We won't go away. And about a week or so later, it, it, got, it got worse. And we went back to the doctor again. Then we changed the doctors. And uh, he said, she's depression. Okay. Didn't seem to figure why my wife would be, regardless of what you think of me, depressed. <laughs> um, and, and she still had a problem. And the problem was this. I went back again and the doctor said, she's got psychotic depression. I had no idea what psychotic depression was. In my office, I looked up the word psychotic depression and it said serious mental illness. And I go, I'll never forget that. Wow. And um, said serious. So I thought, well, yeah, there's meds for depression. I guess it's depression. They're saying it's depression. And so um, they put her on a, you know, a med, and the doc says, you know, two to six weeks, and she'll be good. Well, she got worse throughout the summer, and uh, her, her her big issue. What well, first started, she thought something was caught in her throat. Something's catching. So I took her. My wife had the best insurance she could have, at least we thought. She had great insurance, having worked at the hospital. Guthrie Clinic, great place to work. She loved it there. Um, so we had all kinds of tests. I held back nothing, and they could find nothing. It was, she was imagining this, but we didn't know it. Nothing was revealed. Then, then all of a sudden that went away and she developed a new problem and it was this she thought her ears would clog and the clogging would cause her foot that she had operated on to become crooked and, and now you've got to picture this in, in, in the morning was difficult the crying but in the afternoon she'd be evening she'd be herself had intelligent conversation but, but with that intelligent conversation she'd look at that foot it's crooked and I looked at the foot and I said honey it's not crooked it's crooked so we went back to the doctor. I'll never forget this. She's sitting up on that, whatever you set up on that little table. Doctor comes in, and my wife, she, she looked gorgeous that day. She, she had a beautiful smile, and she just was dressed nice. Hair was everything. And, and the doc comes in, and, and I'm really hurting by this time because I'm dealing with this. And I, the doctor's got to know because something's wrong. The doctor walks in, and he says, what's the matter? My wife says, nothing. And so he asked her some questions, and then he gave her some tests. And then in, in the questions, she, he, somehow he brought this out of her. She says, oh, she says, well, my foot, my ear's clogged, and my foot is crooked. My, as soon as he said, I'll never forget this, the doctor looked at the nurse, the nurse looked at the doctor, they looked at me. Now they knew something. That's what the psychotic was, okay? So she thought by drinking liquids that she could flush out her system. I mean, not, I'm sorry. She thought drinking the liquids would cause her throat to, uh, or her ears to unclog, and so she drank a lot of liquids. I mean, we're talking 15 to 20, 20 ounce bottles of, of uh, whatever you drink, uh, water and, and uh, what's the, uh, not Gatorade, but uh, it's that kind of stuff. And I didn't know this. I'm so ignorant when it comes to medical things. She literally washed the sodium out of her system, and she went berserk in September, I think it was 8 and 9. By this time, we had psychiatrists, psychologists. Um, everybody looked at her and they couldn't do any. The medicines didn't help. They tried a different medicine and uh, some medicines that didn't work. Then she went berserk. And September the 11th, I had to rush her to the hospital. 
unbelievable experience. My daughter and her husband helped us. Oh, my, it was so sad. I, again, I came and go into what all took place. She looked at me. She says, you're not taking me to a mental... I don't even know how she knew that. And she, she went back and she got her clothes. God loved her and she threw them down. She was... So here's my wife, you know, accusing me of taking her. And she used the word mental institution. I don't know how she, where that came from. And We took her. Overnight, they corrected the sodium problem. She was so much better. It was a Saturday we admitted her. Sunday, she was so much better. I went back Monday. I thought I was taking her home. And I get in the hospital, and she says, I admitted myself. And I says, you did what? You see, she was on the sixth floor. This is a hospital in Pennsylvania. The seventh floor was a mental health. And, and because of the privacy stuff, which, you know, we've got some concerns about that, I had no say in the matter. It was already done. She's over 21. Now, what have I done any different? I don't know that it would have because I did ask her this. I says, well, honey, do your ears still clog? And she says, yes. I says, well, why did you do this? She says, I want to get better. So she was pretty lucid in her thinking, very lucid, except for this problem. Well, next three, months, next three weeks, she was on five meds, and I'll never understand that. It says it takes two to six weeks on one. It's a very aggressive approach with, I guess, with serious depression, which is what I thought it was. Maybe that's a good approach for depression. It's not a good approach for what my wife has, but they didn't know. Nobody did anything wrong intentionally. It just was unknown. This disease usually takes a, up to a year, to, lots of times, to diagnose. I've talked to two women whose husbands had it. It took almost a year before they diagnosed it. I just met with a man last week. He came to hear me speak down in Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania, whose wife got it when she's 51. She's now 55. It hits people 65 and younger. I saw a picture of a bride. Um, the nursing home my wife is in, she's the first known patient that's diagnosed with this. It brings fear to me that there could be who knows how many in mental institutions today that maybe it's the wrong kind of care. I don't know. It was not the right kind of care for my wife, but we didn't know. It was good care for mental patients, but not for what my wife. It was co-ed, people off the street. You know, I could never go back. I heard lots of stories, issues, heartbreaking issues. My wife, she was so medicated for the next... It took three months to take her off that, those meds. Early on, they, they assured me it wasn't dementia. I was concerned about that because of her mother had it and her uncle's. No, it's not dementia. And we got called in just before Christmas time. My, one of my daughters and my son, who was home from Texas, were there. And uh, Mr. Rathmel, she's got dementia. We'll be releasing her because we don't keep dementia patients in the mental health. Uh, wow. Now, I wasn't totally believing this yet, but it was hard. He told me that before Christmas. and State hospital to get her out of there. It took another month and a half. She was released February the 7th. Day before my birthday. Um, my daughter, my oldest daughter, who's she's very, very smart like her mother, did a lot of research. She actually diagnosed, she, she was suspicious of this that very first summer. She found a doctor who specializes in dementia at the Binghamton Hospital or at the uh, Binghamton University, also has a private practice, a geriatric doctor. And uh, they social worker came and interviewed Cheryl, interviewed me. And then she took her interview back to the doctor. The doctor read it. We went to Binghamton University for a two-and-a-half-hour visit. And uh, that uh, he says, I think she has. 
frontal temporal degeneration, but I need some time to be sure. He says, you're going to need help. And so I did. I got help. My sister and my sister-in-laws would stay. Very, very difficult time. After a month, uh, March 28th, doctor called me in. My wife wasn't with me, and he says, your wife has frontal temporal. I'm convinced of that. She'll never be better than she is today. She's just going to get worse. There's no cure. There's really no meds. The meds that they have tried, some of them have caused more problems than help. But again, you try it. You try anything. Uh, the summer before, I, when she was still home, the first time I tried juice and I tried high-potency vitamins, you try these things. Um, I'm still getting people telling me to do it. I, I, I'm done with that. But I still get people that are, you know, they're sincere. This, this, is a, this is a dreadful disease. This is what she has. Um, she was released back to me. I probably averaged three or four hours sleep if I was lucky a night for 233 days. The fact that I can tell you 233 days should tell you it wasn't easy. A lot of issues, bathroom issues are huge with this, this disease. She just, here's a brilliant way a person always kept herself so nice. Uh, I want to try to explain this. This is very simplistic. Two and two is four. Okay, you know that. People early on would say to me, well, it's a blessing that she doesn't know she has dementia. You know, when people get Alzheimer's, you know, when they have it, they don't know. And I kind of thought that too. But something didn't, but then why the crying? Why the, um, let, me, let me give you an illustration. Um, she was beginning to lose some mobility. And because of the medicines, uh, she started putting weight on it. It was harder for her to get, a, get around. And, and uh, you need to impact this, I will tell you. I could tell you many things, I won't. But she had, I mentioned this downstairs, because of she had so many accidents, um, there were three pieces of clothing that we'd put on, just, you know. And sometimes she'd have to get up and down three times, and I thought, one day I'm going to just help her. And then you stand, and I would, I would help this, this honestly happened. Um, I'm down on my one knees trying to help her. And You see, the two and two makes four. She'd get a little bit of the two. In other words, and, and she, she knew it wasn't right that she'd have all these accidents. And she'd cry. But you can't figure out why. And I'll never forget this. Her tears literally bounced off of my head one day. And I know God allowed that for reasons. That was a day, too, when I was talking to somebody. And, and, and I want to tell you something not to ever do. Don't tell people you know. Okay, Just get that out of your vocabulary. Pastors need to get it out of the vocabulary. I've had some pastors say this, and I work with pastors. i got about 700 on my cell phone. It's my, it's my main ministry. Get rid of those words. They're very hurtful. That was the day when I was talking to somebody. That's the day now I'm home alone. And to make matters worse, her side of the family has, and they're Christians, committed Christians, quote-unquote, live in the area, and they vacated me. I haven't seen them. I mean, it's unbelievable. And it's that day when somebody's telling me I know, and I'm thinking, I don't want to hear that. That hurts so much. You don't know. How could you know? You know, it's that day I'm down and helping her, and her tears are leaving. Now, I want to say that to you folks, too. Some of you are suffering here today, I'm sure of it. And, and I, I don't want to ever say to you, I know. The other day at the nursing home, there's a lady there. She's married. Her first husband died sudden death. She remarried, and 
Her second husband, she's in her early 60s, her second husband's around 80, he's got dementia. I've talked to her twice, and so I, I asked her a question. I was careful how I did it, because I, you know, you got to be careful. But I asked her, I said, what was hardest? Sudden death or this? And he's sitting right next to her and doesn't even, she doesn't, he's not even aware of what we're talking about. And she says, this is by far the worst. Now, it's like grieving that doesn't end. I literally felt like I was grieving for a year and a half. Went to that. I'm doing a little better now for some reasons. But it's, it's always, there's not a day doesn't go by. For, uh, once, uh, I'll, it'll, it'll hit me and I'll go, oh, dear Jesus, you know. But it, it's, it's left, left up a little bit. But I don't ever want to say to a person who's experienced sudden death that, oh, that's bad, but mine's worse. Because that's unfair because I don't know what the sudden death I had a grandchild that, was, that I really never got to know. I held him in my arms, but he was born dead. But, uh, so I, I'm not saying that, but don't, even, don't say that either. Uh, there's things you can do, and you need to learn to do, and be there, and we'll talk about that in a few moments. But the words I know, not good words. So where am I at now? Uh, she's... CASA, an agency called CASA, has to approve her to go in a nursing home. And they came in May, I think it was uh, March or it was April, I think. And they said, your wife is ready. I was not ready to hear that. I thought, you got to be kidding me. Just a year before, not even a year before, my wife was diagnosing hearts. Now you're telling me she's going in a nursing home. You're telling me she's never going to get better. And... And, and I was beginning to feel this. Well, I felt the stress all winter long, but I felt, well, I've got to do what I, I've got to be willing to do what I've got to do, and 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 to care for. Then the doctor, and it was April or May, said she really is ready. You need to start looking. So we started looking, but not real serious. I I thought well, I can't do this yet. I wasn't brought up that way. My parents took care of their parents in the home. That was a different time. I don't know if they had these facilities anyways for this kind of care, but uh, finally in uh, September the 6th, I believe it was, two days before the flood down our way, a home opened up. Then one of the nursing homes got wiped out, so there, was no, there were no room. They called me. They called me says, Tuesday, your wife will be gone in, thir- in a few days. And that was, that was just like hitting with a ton of bricks. I, I can't believe this. And then they called me on Thursday because of the great flood that we had our way and just wiped out one nursing home. They had over 300 patients they had to redistribute. And so we're talking up to maybe a year now. They called me. Three, months, three weeks later, one did open up. I want to say this. God has not healed her. God doesn't heal everybody, okay? Doesn't. Could he? Absolutely. We're all going to die. Uh, this is part of this life. And... Uh, but uh, he's chosen not to, I guess, in this particular case. Um, where am I going with this? Um, help me here. When I, this is hard because when I talk about these personal illustrations, I tend to lose my thought. I was in a nursing home. Okay. Well, th- when they called me three weeks later, it was like getting hit again. Well, this time I knew it was going to happen. It was so hard. I thought, And my wife doesn't know. My wife and I... I think one of the reasons we had a good marriage is because we communicated. I did things on communication, and she made me live by it. <laughs> she communicated to me what I communicated. That makes sense. So I had to practice it. It's harder to practice what you preach. <laughs> and uh, 
I thought, oh my, and I'll ne never forget this. The day I drive her up, somehow she recognizes this. She started crying. She says, don't you take me in there. I was, and I'm crying. Honey, I have to. You, you need special help. Now she, I don't, to this day, this is a strange thing. Everybody else in there, they look like they're 100. They're not quite, but they look that way compared to my wife. My wife's so much younger looking, and she's much younger than dementia patients. Dementia usually hits a little later. She's there. She knows, she, she, she'll say to me, they don't talk much. <laughs> well, most of them don't. But she doesn't, somehow she doesn't get it. One time she told somebody she's at a hotel, and another time she's at a retirement center. And this is so hard. It's, even to this day, it's so hard for me to comprehend there's a person like this, what the heck can happen to the mind. She's in this place, and she doesn't realize it. Um, 627 days ago uh, just a couple things and then I've, I've got to give you some principles quickly um, staff about two weeks ago two weeks ago tomorrow now I'm going to say some things you may or may not understand that is what it is maybe it's different for each person one of the problems with nursing homes are people are never seen. At Christmas time, I couldn't believe it. I can't believe it. Most, most of those people are never seen by anybody. It's heartbreaking. There's somebody's mom and dad, um, grandkids. Most of them are never seen. We have a student at our college. I love our students. we got some special students, i tell you. There's a young, young guy who wants to be a pastor and also wants to have his own construction business, and he... He goes over there on Thursdays and plays his guitar for the dementia patients. I ask him, I says, why are you, are you doing that just for me? And he says, Mr. Rathmore, I did this before I came to school. Was he 19, 20 years old? God's going to use that man. Um, they said, they were, they says, when I went in, they said, Mr. Rathmore, we're concerned about something. He says, what's that? He says, you can't keep this up. And I thought, now how do they know? What are they talking about? You see... To go night after night after night after night. It's been now about pretty much 20 months. First at home, and then at the, she was in a mental health, health place where I had to go through security to get there. I never could go back to her room. I cried out to God many a night, God, please don't let her end up here. Some people live there the rest of their lives. I thought that might happen. I didn't want that. What's going on, God? And uh, then to, to go into this, it's a beautiful unit. Uh, the people really care, great people. But it's so hard to go in there. And, and, and almost every time I go out there, I think, I can't believe this. And, and you go down through, you know, through, I, I know the combinations, and you go in there, and, and uh, I'll see her. A um, lot different circumstances, different situations. But um, they said, you can't keep this up. And, and, and I know what they're saying because it was just, it, it's so disheartening. And they said there's another issue. And I never heard this before, and you probably haven't either. Or maybe you have. They said it's not best for her either. I said, what do you mean? She says because she, she's such, such a routine, she'll sit with her for hours for her coat. I'm waiting for you. And it's all she talks about is her husband. And she, she, she'll miss meals because she thinks you're coming. She says if you space it out two or three days a week, It'd be better for her. So I just started that process this week. 
and it's so hard. Um, I want to be with her, but it clearly, evidence does indicate that it's better if I space it out. I want to be a good husband. I want to do what's right. Um, they tell me that's all she talks about now. Her world's so small now, it's down to me. She sees the kids and kind of recognizes them. Grandchildren, she might just forget that. Now she really struggles with that. Um, so now that's where I'm at, trying to figure that out. Uh, I had her home Friday. I bring her home now. I'm going to bring her home. She, she got better when they changed the meds. They took her off all meds and tried a new med. She's actually come back a little bit. We've actually had some conversation a little bit in sentences, first time in over a year. We can't talk about one day. One morning, one time, she said to me, "She says, what caused this?" And I thought, "Oh my goodness, what's she talking about? What do you mean, honey?" She goes, "What caused this?" I said, "Well," and then, and then she's sitting, and she goes like this. She goes, "She says my legs are filling up with syrup." You know, you know. And then, then I thought, "Nah, forget it, Dan. She's she doesn't know." Um, I so want to tell her, but I can't. And I thought, you know, okay, some principles, if I can find them now, my notes. Um, okay, lessons to be learned. Did, did, you, did you give them notes? Where's the secretary? Where, who did that for me? Who's the lady that I've talked to on the phone? She what? Oh, tell her thanks. And you have notes? I don't even know what. You got my notes? Okay, good. Let's go through this quickly. Um, number one, learn how to deal with self-pity. Is that what you have? Um, Why did this happen? Two days after her last kid got married. Um, when my wife's mother got Alzheimer's, her sister didn't come out to help. Her brother was an alcoholic. We didn't realize it. My mother-in-law was in Florida. They said, stick her in a home. It's a good thing I'm not God. You know, and my wife gets it, and they don't. See? I, I, is, that, is that unnatural to think that way? I mean, you know... Um, Why this happened to such a wonderful... You know what I did to her? I'd say, I'll tell her, I said, you're the, most, you're the best mother in the world. You're the best mother in the world. And I'll say that to her. I'll go, who's the best mother in the world? And she'll go, I am. And I'll say, who's the best mother? And she'll go, I am. I mean, that's where we're at in this. Um, she had been just hired to take a new job a mile and a half from where we lived. Would have made fabulous money. It would have been nice to have some. <laughs> So be it. I want to read to you this about 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 uh, about uh, self pity. Please pay attention as I read this. This demonic de- 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 demonic trap of self pity is the greatest danger you face. Self pity is a slimy, bottomless pit. Once you fall in, you tend to go deeper and deeper into the mire. As you slide down those slippery walls, you are well on your way to depression, and the darkness is profound. Uh, when, she, when it first was diagnosed, you know what I have to look forward to, folks? Do you know? She's eventually going to become mute. She'll eventually forget how to swallow. 
I've seen what happens to Alzheimer's patients. And now I'm going to have to see it. And maybe worse yet, my kids are going to have to see this. I, I, I know what, they don't know yet. They didn't see it. They were little when their grandmother died. Um, there's a verse. Did I give you Hebrews 12, 1, and 3, 1 through 3? Please pay attention as I read this. Let us throw everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And here's what it says. Let us run with perseverance. All right? In other words, look up here, look up here. Rather than trying to get out from under this, you need to persevere. All right? The race marked out for us. The race marked out for us. Okay? God is allowing this. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men. Say, pay attention. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. When we suffer, we've got to make decisions. And only by the grace of God. I mean, look up here. I've been a pretty self-motivated person, I think, and I've really enjoyed life. It's been a good life. I never had desires to hurt myself, but that, that has happened to people. People have committed suicide. Things like this can happen. By God's grace, I didn't have those thoughts. But I'm not proud of this. There were times when I said, God, if you want to take my wife and I home now, that's okay. I couldn't believe I was saying that because I love life. I love ministry. I love my children. I love my grandchildren. Um, but if you want to take me home, that's all right. But you see, that's not holding up under it. That's wanting to get out. And um, that's losing heart. Our inadequacy presents us with a continue, presents us with a continuous choice, dependence or despair. Now, don't, don't stay with me here. I'm going to read you a few things. Number one, God has gifted us with amazing freedom, including the ability to choose the focal point of our mind. Now, look up here. You got to hold. You got to stay with me now, please. Stay with me. The mind is where the enemy does his, den, his deadliest work. It's the mind. It's not the circumstances that I'm going through or you're going through if you're going through a hard time right now. You know what it is? It's the thoughts about your circumstances. It's the thought this morning. I think I shared this in Sunday school. I did that. I've been given another responsibility. That's what I need one more at work. And I got up this morning thinking about that. And it's really, it was just my thoughts about that. And then I read the devotional. Incidentally, I brought a book called Jesus Calling. I mentioned that in Sunday school. Jesus Calling by Sarah Young. you got to have it. Jesus Calling by Sarah Young, the best devotional. It's written in the first person. It says, Oh Christ, we're talking to you in the whole year. The whole year deals with his presence. I'm beginning to get a little glimpse of what that means. I've preached for years and been in ministry for years. I'm learning some things now that I didn't learn. I mean, look up here. Look here. Jesus has become a friend. You sing that song. We've sung that song forever. I don't know if the, maybe the new generation doesn't so much, but oh, well, us middle-aged ones. <laughs> <laughs> what a friend we have in Jesus, right? I'm starting, I'm really learning. I'm alone now. 
I wake up early. I woke up this morning at 3. I usually wake up at 4, 4.30. It's a lot of downtime before that going to work. I, I need my time alone with the Lord. I'm not bragging. I need it. I have to have it. I have to saturate my mind and heart with God's Word. Um, it's made God's Word even more powerful. Um, you see, and I came and sing that song, what we sang as well, my soul without the tears. I mean, that's, it's hard. And um, it's God's Word that makes a difference. God has given us the ability to choose the focal point of our mind. Psalm 105, verse 4, Look to the Lord in His strength, seek His face always. There's, there's a truth here. I just, just, just saw this recently, last few days. Something about seeking His face, you receive strength. I haven't come to full grips to that understanding. He says, seek me in my face, and I'll give you strength. We must come to realize that as our thinking goes, so goes our entire being. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord. The Lord is a rock eternal uh, whose mind is steadfast. Now hear me, those of you that are really suffering right now, um, and I'm sure there's some out there, and if you're not, you're eternal common. You need to, you need to have these things. Uh, your mind needs to be steadfast. I can't encourage you enough. Get in God's word. Stay in it. The mind is the most restless, unruly part of mankind. The enemy's number one target is in the area of our thoughts. Did you hear that? The enemy's number one target is in the area of our thoughts. That's where he's going to attack us. Your thoughts determine actions and attitudes. You know what? We decide. We decide what we entertain in our mind. I'm faced with that a lot. It's over a two-hour trip out here, 220-some miles, and and that's a lot of downtime to be thinking. Um, we must think what we're thinking about. That's the discipline that I'm at now. I must think what I'm thinking about, and so must you. You know, this is amazing, but my wife can't do that. That hit me about two or three weeks ago. My wife can't think what she's thinking about. It's sad, but she can't. Isaiah 40, 31, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Tough times are going to come to all of us. John said, uh, Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this life you will have trouble. He wasn't saying that we, he wasn't saying that troublesome times wouldn't come. He was saying that when they come, we can choose our attitudes. We can choose to believe that he is greater than our problems. We can choose the right thoughts. You know that? What's that verse? I know what it is. Tell me what it is. Where is it at? There hath no what? Temptation what? Taking us. Yeah. That part of it, there's no temptation. Uh, I honestly thought maybe God made a mistake. I honestly thought that. That's how close I was. But God didn't let me go over, but he left me get on the edge. Because there's so many people out there that are on the edge. And, and they don't need to hear from me, I know. Um, the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, set your mind on things above. Proverbs 23, 7, a person, as a person thinks in his heart, so he'll become. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. 
Now, now, everybody look up here. I really want your attention on something here. All right, so discipline of the mind. So here's, here's kind of like my routine. Get up early. And when, the moment I wake up, almost every morning, I, the, the loneliness, first of all, is there. It hits me. She's not there. Now, it's been going on for a while now. And then you've got to stop that. Get out of bed. Put on a coffee pot. Are you? I have to. I have to make the next pot. I have to put the grounds in. As soon as I drink it, <laughs> I got funny habits now. Uh, I got to wash the dishes before I eat the food. I don't know how you do that. I, the plate comes after, obviously. Anyways, uh, coffee, and then I hit the button, and I, I get you know cold water in my face to kind of wake up. And I go get out there, and I and I, I, I give. I use the word reverence t- toward my wife. Think about her a little bit. You know what I have to do then? I have to discipline my mind. Whatsoever things are pure and honest, loving or good report, think on those things. It's so easy to think on where you know, my wife's not here. Lately, my thoughts have been, it's like she's in prison, but she's not. It's a wonderful place, a great care. But she's not going to get out of there. Uh, I can't, it's not, those things aren't loving and not a good report. So here's what I do. I give her some thought. I, and I have my devotions and pray. And then I, I, I go over to the Planet Fitness and work out for about an hour because it's too much downtime till 8 o'clock. Hear me now if you're going through a difficult time. Watch the downtime. That's where when you're going through a difficult time, that downtime is when the enemy can really attack you. You need, you need to have... I, I, it's not a point that I've developed yet, but you need to develop disciplines and hold to it. Develop disciplines. So here's the problem. Here's the issue. So I think of my wife, and then I... And I have my time alone with the Lord, go work out, and then I have to, listen to me, I have to discipline my mind not to think about my wife. Now you tell me, what's the problem with that? What am I going to wrestle with now? Somebody tell me. It starts with G. Guilt. Guilt. <laughs> You're right. So I've got to find the balance. Okay. And those of you that are going through a difficult time now, you know what I mean. Our life follows our thoughts. Our lives move in the direction of our most dominant thoughts. Romans 12, 1 and 2, be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We draw into our lives that which we constantly think about. If we're always dwelling on our fears, we will be drawn into more fear. Now, please, please, please pay attention to this statement. If it's a negative thought, all right, if your thoughts now are negative, fear, worry, doubt, unbelief, if they make you feel weak, tell me about it. Inadequate, insecure, and we all have those feelings, don't we? Even if you're not suffering, there's, you know... All right, the thought, those thoughts are not from God. All right, those thoughts are not from God. We must choose faith instead of fear. Isaiah 26, 3, if we keep our focus on God, instead of dwelling on our problems. Hebrews 12, 3, don't get weary and faint in your mind. And again, I said this before, 
I would say my circumstances ha had me down. Actually, it was my thoughts about them. Okay, now we're gonna, I can go real quickly with the rest of them. I have to. I could take all day. You need to get help. Please hear me. Family's vital. Number, I, I, family, I can't say enough about my, my, my daughters. It, here's the truth. And Kyle, you be careful how you handle this now. I, now, now Kyle can black. No. A son's a son till he gets him a wife. A daughter's a daughter the rest of her life. God gave me daughters. Now I love my sons, and i got a good relationship with them. I'm very proud of them. I'll tell the boys, and say, you'll be okay, Dad. And, and, and that's their way of, of showing care. My oldest son, Dan, who's a coach at our college, he says, Dad, it's so hard to go into a nursing home. And that's why he doesn't cook quite as much. He doesn't love less. But I love that part about the daughter's the daughter the rest of her life because a day doesn't go bad or by or one of my daughters don't call me. Yesterday we had a big basketball games. My son's a cobra. Doing, you're doing very well. We have a really good team this year. And uh, they won a small college national championship last year. We got a chance this year. And it was really neat that all that excitement of winning the two games are both close. And then I go back to, I live on campus now, to the apartment all alone. And everybody else goes their way. And uh, I said, I'll bet, I'll bet Candace will call me. Sure enough. Dad, how you doing? Dad, why don't you come over to supper? You know, um, you need family. A lawyer, you need a lawyer. Please hear me. You need a lawyer when you're dealing with these issues. Uh, there are issues you just don't know about. If it wouldn't have been for a lawyer, I would have lost everything. We didn't have a lot, but thank God for a lawyer that we had, we had sold our home. I, you know, I can see God's hand on so many things other than my wife being healed. I can look all right. We owned a home, raised six kids, then we sold it. A year later, they built a septic plant across from where we used to own that home. If I still owned that home, you wouldn't buy it. <laughs> and we got, so we had a little money saved, completely out of debt. We were going to buy a little home there in Johnson City. and The lawyer helped me to plan. I had to keep out about $20,000. I paid out about 24000 last year out of my pocket, but I wouldn't have been prepared had the lawyer not helped me. You can buy annuity where it's government protected. You get. I want you folks to know that I had, let's see, last fall I had 15 and a half years to live, so that's good or bad. But that, that's, you know, they, they, have a, they have a scale, you know. I hope they're wrong, but <laughs> hope it's more, not less. Anyways, uh, but you've got to get a lawyer. I thank God for people that study, to know, that know the legal issues, because we don't know them. Department of Social Services, I thank God for them. I had to go through Medicaid. My wife filled out paperwork. I told the, kid, the, yeah, the kids, I told the class this morning, I don't even know the dates of my kids' birthdays because I never filled out the forms. I'm not bragging about that, but she did it. I didn't see a paycheck for over 30 years. She handled it. Uh, she never, incidentally, she never told me I couldn't have money. Now, that's a good wife. <laughs> she Somehow she always had it. You know, I mean, she was... Uh, uh, and I, I, the fourth one was you need support of somebody special. I did not have a pastor because I've done 38 interims. You need a pastor. You need somebody. And I didn't. Dr. Padrone, our president, said, Dan, I'll be there for you. Um, you need, 
I, I also have you need to establish a small group of people around you. And then I put down the nursing home, so vital too. Quickly, number three, learn to take one day at a time. Um, you've been so attentive. Just give me, a, please, a few more minutes. Uh, your awareness of your constant need of Jesus is your greatest strength. Did you hear that? Your awareness of your constant need of Jesus is your greatest strength. Forget this day-by-day stuff. It literally became sometimes moment by moment. There were times when I would honestly cry out to God, God, I can't take another minute of this. A minute. And then, and then I'd get a call, usually from one of the daughters. It's amazing how God would use them. Or somehow, there was a few times supernaturally in the middle of the night, when somehow, all of a sudden, the pressure would be relieved somewhat. That had to be God. Because I was very serious. And I wasn't going to do anything to myself, not that. But that's where it was. And uh, so one day at a time. And, and, and now with my wife, I mean, I can think of all kinds of things. And, and, and God says to me every time, says, Dan, just take today. Just one day at a time. I gave you verses, right? I did write this down. My future is today. And you can take from that what you might. One nice thing is our future is spotless. Think about that one. What's the next one? God's in control? All right. You've got the verses. We must believe. Not, look up here again. I'm not, I'm not a hyper-Calvinist. I'm not the guy that fell down the steps and got up and says, glad that's over with. Think about that. Uh, but there comes a time when we have to believe that God's sovereign over everything. If you do, the act of the mind opens to the mind the possibility of benefits from difficulties. Now, this is really deep. The act of the mind, if, if we believe that God's sovereign over everything, then this act of the mind opens up to the mind the possibility of the benefits from my difficulties. Romans 8, what? 28. All things work together for good. And I want to say this, too. I take comfort. We live by faith, not by sight. I dearly love my wife and my family. I, there was a time I was going through, like I said, I'm doing better now, but there was a time, honestly, had I known this ahead of time, had I known what things I had to face. You see, not only do you face losing your wife, you, you, you see the word impoverished. That usually happens. You lose everything. Now, God's been good and through some help and when I come through all this God willing I, I won't be ahead but God willing I trust in God that I won't be behind either whatever that means and that isn't so bad either because I don't have to worry about a lot of material things that's okay my kids are raised that's the important thing um, he's the author of our circumstances he's the author of our circumstances did you get that but this thing about living by faith and not by sight if I'd have known this in advance I would have, oh man. But so we live by faith, not by sight. Trust him about tomorrow. Number five, learn to trust him. Uh, it appears the more we trust him, the more he empowers us. You've got the verses. I'm sorry I can't read them, but please read these verses when you get, take, you don't, well, you have to look them up, right? I didn't write them out for you. But, um, well, let me just quickly. If you, look, I respect time. I don't look like I'm showing it. 
If you have to leave in the next few minutes, I pre- it's fine, but quickly. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them. So fix your eyes on, uh, on not what is seen, but what is unseen. I, I thought about this the other day. I, I, I don't know how long this is going to go on. But in God's sight, it's just momentary. You know, time is different to him than to us. And so he's saying, Dan, it's only momentary. Now he knows that I live with, you know, I live in the present. Uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart. The mind controlled by a spirit of his life and peace. Again, Hebrews 12, 2, fix your eyes on Jesus. Psalm, uh, well, trust and thankfulness will get you through the day. Trust protects you from worry and thankfulness keeps you from criticizing. Psalm 141, verse 8, my eyes are fixed on you, O sovereign God. Jeremiah 29, 11, you have that, for I know the plans God says I have for you. Uh, he doesn't plan to harm us. Jeremiah 17, 7, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Romans 8, 28 says he can bring good out of every situation. And I apologize for taking so long. This is so hard to control time. One more thing here. The, the vast principle is this. Learn how to turn your circumstances into Romans 8, 28. Um, in Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, Praise to be God and the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the God of all comfort or all, all compassion. Um, who comforts us so that we can comfort others. Please learn how to deal with self-pity. To get help from others. To, to, to take one day at a time. Trust God. He's in control. And just trust God. Uh, look up here. There's... I still haven't perfected how to finish this, but I know what's on my heart. So let me just share what's on my heart and I'll close. And um, if it's okay, we'll just close. I know you probably have a song, and I love songs, but these people have been so patient. Uh, there's a verse in, uh, it's in Ephesians. I think I have it marked down. Um, just a second here. It's not going to. What's it say? What's three sixteen say? Oh, yes, it is that. Um, help me. Um, give me a second. Talks about. Thank you. It's, I'm not catching my thought that I wanted to do there. Oh, it talks. One translation says we're to be. A, wait, no. Pray on all occasions. That's not must not be the verse. All occasions. In this, yes, Thessalonians. Yes, that's what it is. Who said that? Thank you. It's right. Pray in the spirit on all occasions. It, it, says, it closes by saying, and especially be alert for praying for the saints. Right? That, that, that part's that I want. That is Thessalonians. You're right. 518. Let me close with this. He's a God of all comfort. All right? he's, he's comforted us. As we go through this, we can be a help and comfort to others. And, and that should be our, you know, one of our goals. And the other thing about being alert, um, I struggled saying this in the earlier session, but I guess I'll say it again here, and I don't want you to misunderstand. 
This is not a, I don't want this to be about me. This is not a pity party. I don't want that. Um, Caesar said, the more I'm around people, the more I love my dogs. And if we're not careful, Christian people will hurt us. Not knowingly, usually not knowing it. And we can get embittered, and then we're defeated. Christian people do care. They, they, they sometimes don't know how to show it. I shared a very personal illustration, but I want to assure you I'm doing fine. I'm not starving, okay? My wife was home for 233 days, and many, 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 many people knew that. I can do, I can cook, do laundry and all that stuff. I mean, I, I, can, I can't cook. I can do laundry and clean. All I am not a cook. 233 days. Many, many people knew you didn't. So, you, if, if I thought you did, I, I wouldn't say this. One meal provided. And I struggled with that. I thought, my wife and I, we tried to serve the Lord, serve others. Where are they at? Well, God had reasons for that. One of me wanted me to understand was the loneliness. If I'm going to help others, I need to experience it myself. And then I need to find out he's sufficient. And there's where he became my dear friend. Since then, some things have picked up. I needed to go through that valley. Um, but, I, but I want to encourage you to be alert. Don't let that happen in this church. I know nothing about your church. Except our president came back and said, boy, there's a New Testament church. Dr. Bedrone loved your church. Um, can I close this way? Uh, I tried how to close this. I'd like to have a prayer for those that are hurting. And I'd like you to come, if, if you come forward. If you're facing some real hurts right now, I don't have to know what it is. But I want to have a special prayer. If you're hurting, would you come up here and join me? Could you do that? Could we all stand, please? I'd like two invitations. I'd, I'd, like, I'd like, if you're hurting, I'd like to pray for you. And if God's speaking to you about, what are you doing with your life? Young people, what are you doing with your life? You've got a choice ahead of you. We all do. I hope you're alert. And I, I hope that something has been said today that will drive you that right up one of your top priorities is going to be be there for others. Uh, Jesus said this, by this people know that you're my disciple. It doesn't have anything to do with long or short hair, earrings or no earrings, some of these things that we get so caught up on. Jesus says, by this shall all men know you're my disciples, you have love one toward another. People are hurting. And God will use you to be there for them. So if, if you, I'm not going to push this, but if the Spirit leads you to come, well, prayer for those that maybe you're hurting today. Um, are you afraid to do that? Are you afraid to ask for help? Um, I, I don't mean that in a negative or put down way whatsoever. But I'll tell you what, I think God's people will be there. Sometimes, you know, my, one of the problems I had is I didn't tell people. I was too proud, I guess. I wanted to tell them, um, but I didn't. There may be some people here today that really are hurting and want help, but they're, it's hard. Um, would you come and 
acknowledge in front of these people that you need them right now? Uh, I got a feeling you people will be there for them, wouldn't you? You sure you would. Are we going to sing a couple songs, a couple verses? What are you doing? Do something. The first song, if, if you're hurting, I'd like you to come forward with me and we'll pray with you. Could you. Everybody close their eyes, please. We don't need to be watching. If you want to come forward this morning, I'd like to pray with you. You're just hurting. You just need somebody to pray with you. Would you come?